0: Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 Community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. I've had the opportunity over the years to visit some really great cathedrals. And I don't know if you've ever stood in a cathedral, but it's, it's it can be a very awe-inspiring thing. You you look around and you see the design and the work that went into it and you think, "Man, this is hundreds if not a thousand years old." And and you wonder like what was going on in the architect's mind as they as they designed this place? What was going on with the builders and the people who put it together? What were they thinking? Were they were they designing something so beautiful and so intricate and ornate? Were they were they working on all of these details in order to glorify God or were they just, you know, trying to get a paycheck? Or or were they like what was going in on on their minds that they made something so profound and beautiful? And cathedrals, uh, they're, they're impressive places of worship. They, they are designed to to draw your attention and keep the main thing the main thing. A lot of cathedrals are built in the shape of a cross, or, or there will be a cross very prominently display, displayed, or something like Jesus hanging on a cross, or, 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 or different elements like that. Sometimes they will have all these things in the room that are designed to teach you and, and move you, like a stained glass that would tell stories of Jesus. This was... These were designed before we had, like, slide decks that we could show you on a screen, right? Like, this was, this was the whole room was designed to preach to you. Even if you walk into a cathedral, one thing you're, you're often overwhelmed with is the fact that you are, like, the smallest thing in the room. Like, it is massive, and then you're, you're, you're this very small part at the bottom of it. It, it. It's almost as if the room is saying to you, God is big, and you are very small. And, and, and I thought about that, and I... And I and I, and I noticed that a lot of the great cathedrals are really very old. We don't, we don't make them like we used to, right? We don't build cathedrals necessarily that way. And, and I thought about what are our modern-day places of worship, and, and I thought about a stadium. Right, a, a, a sports stadium is is a place of worship. It's where people gather and they and they celebrate the thing that matters most. To them. And, and some of them are massive. The I think the big house in in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, holds like one hundred and ten thousand people. Can you imagine all that? many You can't imagine a crowd like that at all during COVID. But before that, can you imagine that you know one hundred ten thousand people come together to. What? To worship. We do it in, in stadiums. We do it in concert halls. Think about a, a, a concert hall. It is a place where we gather to worship, in a sense, uh, something that we, that we very much value. Now you, now, you might be like, man, that's not worship, Chris. That's like this cheering for your team or whatever. But is it all that different? I mean, at a concert venue or at, at a stadium, you're going to you're gonna raise your voice. You might even sing. You're going to cheer. You might wear a shirt that matches the thing that's going on in the, in the room, like in the, in the building, in the, in the place. You might wear the shirt. You're going to give a lot of money towards it because you really value it. Like, there's a lot of similarities there between sort of historic worship and what we do in stadiums and, and, and concerts. Um, I think there's something going on there. We, as humans, we were created to worship. Uh, fish swim, birds fly, humans worship. This is, this is what we, we do. Now, the word for worship in the Scripture is this, in the New Testament, is this word proskuneo. It's like the idea of falling, falling down on our face or, or kissing or, or a bow towards something. This is the idea of worship that we, that we bow towards God. We say this is something we honor. This is something we are bowing down towards, kissing, uh, saying we love. Like, that is, that is what's going on when we worship. And I think when you think of it in those terms, you see that we bow down and worship all over the place. It's, it's a big part of our culture. When you know what you're looking for, you see it everywhere. You see worship in a church, right? In a church building. You see worship happening or in a movie theater. I always love this place because it, it, it's kind of like a cathedral, right? Because it's big and you're, you're little, right? But it's also got the informality a little bit of a movie theater and the discomfort of an old movie theater. It's like a, a good mix of things. Um, Unless you sit in the middle section, insider tip. Uh, the seats are better there. Um, it, you know, so you've got, you've, got, you've got worship here, but you also have worship at a concert. And you see people like raising their hands and singing and crying and honoring those who are on stage, right? That's worship. You, you see that in our worship of self. Let me see how wonderful I can look in this place and take this picture. Is that not a form of worship of self. You see it with celebrity and, and sort of the red carpet and the Hollywood culture when people are screaming and crying because they got to meet the person. What is that? That is worship. It is bowing down towards something and saying, this is what I love. This is what I'm, I'm going to honor. You see worship in a mall, which is probably the best version of a modern day cathedral. It has all the, all the trappings, all the things designed to engage you and tell a story. It, it, it is it is, it is the temple of American religion, our, our consumerist tendencies. Uh, author James Smith says, um, compares worship to a mall, and he says, I'm broken, therefore I shop. I shop with others to build communities, and I shop, therefore I am. Consumerism has become the American religion. It's the place where we go to be uplifted, to be fulfilled, to, to feel value. Um, it, it's, it's this powerful thing. I want to talk in our series today. Uh, we've been doing this series called Rhythms, and we're looking at the rhythms and disciplines of the Christian life. What what makes us different than maybe our neighbors or the culture around us? We march to the beat of a different drummer. So, how do we do that? How are we not like everybody else? What is dis- distinct about us? And what are the rhythms, practices, disciplines that historically Christians have had through millennia that we that we need to have and adopt in order to uh, in in order to walk in that walk that road? And what we said a couple of weeks ago, is that we are not who we say we are. We are not who they say we are. We are who God says we are. But to remember that, to remember that we are who God says we are, we, we have to practice our faith. We have to pray and give and fast and serve and, and all these things. Um, these, are, these are things we do regularly to be reminded of who we are. Um, and one of the things that we do regularly is, is, is we, we worship God. This is how we, we dial into our identity in Christ. We worship him. Now what is worship? There's a, there's a lot of history behind worship. People have been doing it in different ways throughout throughout all of time. And I want to go way back to uh, ancient Israel, and I, and I want to point you to just a couple scriptures that, that describe what worship was like for them. And just full, full disclaimer here, it's a little weird compared to what we're used to, and some of it's almost a little gross. Like, so let me start here. First Corinthians sixteen, or First Chronicles sixteen twenty nine, describing ancient worship. It says this: Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So they're saying, Hey, we need to worship God. The glory due His name. He's He's worthy. And you're supposed to bring an offering, so you're supposed to bring something as you come to worship. Now, there, there was financial things often that, that would happen with that, but, but really what it's talking about is bringing um, some sort of sacrifice that you're going to offer, some sort of animal um, sacrifice. Now, that's um, gross to us that animals get cut up, and uh, that sounds very like ancient uh, blood blood and fire and, and all of that, like very ancient it sounds very pagan to us. It sounds very far away. Remember, this is thousands of years ago in a culture very different from our own. And and there was this thing going on where people would bring offering. They would have animals and all that. Um that was part of it. But they also used music. Second Chronicles 29, 28, the whole assembly worshipped. Oh, what were they doing? Well, the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. So while they're cooking up a sacrificed animal, people are singing, and the trumpet is sounding. Again, don't get too hung up on this. This sounds a little bit like this weird sort of appeasing the gods kind of stuff. And it's sort of like, man, why does God even want that? Why does he want people to be like slitting throats of animals and burning them up? And like, that's just, that's just weird and kind of gross. Let me, give you, let me just give you two quick thoughts on that. Number one is this. If the goal really of worship... It is to help transform our souls from the inside out, then what you have to do is engage the whole person. We're not trying to, worship is not designed to help you think differently. It's not help designed to make you act differently. It's not designed to make you feel differently. It's designed to put it all together for the transformation of your soul. And in the ancient world, the way you put it all together was, and there was an animal that was sacrificed, like, Like, if if a lamb's throat is slit in front of you, gross, right? But if it's slit in front of you and you know it is for your sin, you know it's because you have sinned against God, that's a very real, striking, like visceral thing that's happening. You're not like, oh, my sin is no big deal. You're like, no, I sinned and then an animal died and bled out all over the place. Like, it is real and it's dark and you realize, oh, my sin costs something in the world. My sin matters when I, when I blow it. There's, there's something at stake here. So when animals are sacrificed, when there's burning, there's a smell to it, there's songs people are singing, you're going to raise your voice, you're going to articulate something, you're going to hear something, you're going to pray, you're going to maybe lay down. Like It engages all of the senses, the whole person, because the goal of it is to transform the whole person. This is why you do it. It's not just something I watch. It's not just content. It is a, a fully immersive experience. Um, that's, that's the point, point of it. So don't get freaked out because it may seem gross in the ancient world. It is striking, and it was moving, and it was powerful, and it was serious. So that's, that's the first point. The second point I want, I want you to notice in this is that in the New Testament, when you see worship, the game kind of changes. changes. The book of Hebrews tells us that Christ was our sacrifice once and for all. Like, his death on the cross means we're not doing the animal thing anymore. He died for our sins to make us right before God. So in the New Testament, you don't see in the, in the Roman world, say 2,000 years ago, you don't see them continuing on with this like animal sacrifice blood thing, all that, all that kind of stuff. You see uh, a, a different spirit. The, the goal is still transformation of the heart, but the externals are going to look a little different. In fact, Jesus has a conversation with a woman. It's, she's, she's known as the woman at the well. Uh, and they have this conversation, and, and they're talking about um, where you would worship. The woman wants to know from Jesus, hey, where are we supposed to worship God? Because she thinks buildings and temple. She's thinking, well, the temple's in Jerusalem, should we worship there? But we have this other holy site, should we worship here? This is a very common idea and a common question in the ancient world is, what is the right place to worship? Where should we be doing that? And she wants to be right with God. She's like, how do I worship God? Should I go over here and do it or should I go over here and do it? And Jesus says to her this, John 4, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers Will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So he's emphasizing this point. No, no, it's not the place. It's more like the interior space. It's, it's what's going on in you. What God desires is not that you show up to a building necessarily, it's not that your building's beautiful. What God desires is that your heart gets right. It is, and that has always been the case, the transformation of your heart and soul. And so he says, um, you need to worship God in spirit and in truth. When we gather what we, what we teach, what we sing, this needs to be rooted in In truth. Um, this is why the lyrics of what we sing when we sing together matters, because they teach us something about the nature of God. When we, we have the, the, the song lyrics, the songs that we sing here, you, you maybe know some, maybe you sing them throughout the week, or maybe they just randomly pop in your head when you're in the car or at work or something. That's not a bad thing. They teach us something. They remind us something about the truth. My, my kids did classical conversations for years, sort of a homeschool co-op group, and man, the, the, the thing of the, the way they teach to children in, cl- in classical conversation, like in elementary grades, um, everything has a song. They, they have songs about who the world leaders were, were during World War I, that, they, that right now, uh, probably you can test them afterwards. You could, if you see my children, ask them if they knew who the leaders of World War I were. The reason they know is because there's a song about it. Kids, I hope you got it. You got it? Are we cool? All right, cool. Um, they know it because there's a song about it. there's a song for everything, because music has a way of making things sort of lodge in your heads and, and stick with you. And so when we sing, and when we worship together, when we come together as a church, we worship in, in truth, we, 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 we sing these things and, and, and sing things that are true about God, because it helps us be reminded of those truth of that truth. Um, also, we, we confess we'll talk about that next week. Confession is valuable. We, we speak the truth about ourselves. Not just the truth about God, but we, we gather and we say truth about ourselves. This is what I'm dealing with. This is where I'm at. This is honestly what's going on with me. If you want to be really transformed by God, then you need to bring your real self to the real God for a real change. You can't pretend. You can't pretend to be something. You've got to show up honestly. Um, so I, I would say there's really a couple main things that happen when we, when we worship God. Number one is this, we remember who God is. The cathedrals were good to remind us architecturally who God is. God is big, you're, you're little. The cross is central, this, this is the stuff that matters. Like, those are reminders of, of the greatness, the, the vastness of God. And when we gather to worship, we are reminded of who God is. We sing about it. We sing about that he's holy. We sing he's worthy of our praise. The leaders who lead us in songs they, they prompt us with these things. Hey, God, you, you are holy. They, they point us uh, to, to this. Uh, we have an opportunity when we gather to sing the truth. I, I really think when we gather to worship, it becomes like a touch point in our week. Oh, I, re- I remember this truth. Okay, that, yeah, that's right. God, God is this, God is good, God is holy. Uh, We remember those things because I think the truth is we easily forget, don't we? It's not hard to forget when you've had a bad week, when you've been betrayed by a friend, when school didn't work out this week, when your job is going through a rough spell, when your finances are tough, like when all of these things are swirling around you, it's not hard to forget that God is good. You you just kind of go like, man, I don't know, I don't think that's true, Stuff can press on us and pressure us, and we end up in that space where we're like, Is is God there? Does he care? Is he fair? Like we feel this stuff. And when we come together to worship, we're reminded of the truth. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. And I'm loved by you, it's who I am. We sing these things. And we remember the truth. God is a good father. That's hard for us to believe. That's hard for us to believe on a good day. It's hard for us to believe if we have dad issues. If you have dad baggage and and someone comes along and says, God is a good father, you're like, I'm not about it. I know what fathers are like. Right? So we need to be reminded. We need to remember this is who God is. He really is who he says he is. And we sing. So we sing these things to, rem- to remind ourselves of them. And when we sing, we sing words that millions across the, of the world are singing. When we gather on a Sunday, millions of people are singing some of the same stuff we are. And when we sing ancient hymns and, and old lyrics, we're, we're singing things that millions have sung before us. We are uniting ourselves with this global thing here of like, hey, people all over the world are acknowledging these truths. And that's a powerful thing. It's a reminder as we sing, I'm not the first one to ever struggle. I'm not the first one to ever wrestle with my faith. I'm not the first one to ever have doubts. I'm not the first one to raise these, these words to God. People have done this before. They're doing it today all over the world. This is what happens when we come together. We remember who, who God is even when we don't feel it. And the second thing that happens when we worship is we remember who we are. We remember who we are. We, we get... A reminder through lyrics, through teaching, through prayer. Even when we take communion, we get the reminder that, that we're broken, that, that we're messed up, that, that, that we've, we've blown it, and that we're sinful. And yet, we are still loved by him. We, we, re, we remember every week at the cross, we remember the great length God has gone to gone to, to show us that he loves us. I talked about this a few weeks ago to get our identity right we have to hold two things in tension you're worse than you think and you're loved more than you could possibly imagine and and God sees you all the bad stuff and loves you despite it all and and we have to hold these things in tension Because when we hold them in tension, then we can start thinking rightly about God and our relationship to Him. Because otherwise, if we don't hold those things in tension, what we do is when we have successes, we get too full of ourselves. And when we have failures, we get too down on ourselves. So we hold these things in tension and worship reminds us of that. It reminds us of our place. We are disciples of Jesus. We are children of our Heavenly Father. We are brothers and sisters in a family. That part is the part that 's kind of nagged at me over this last year. Church is a family it's it 's not a solo sport it 's not just like content to be consumed. Oh church I, I go to i I just view it, I listen to it, I hear it yeah you're, it should engage the senses, but it's it 's a community coming coming together, and that 's maybe even been one of the hardest things over, over the last year is, is how, how that has been fragmented. It should be a community of broken people coming together to serve God, to love God and love people and be part of this greater mission in the world. Um, it's this corporate thing. In fact, I was reading through, um, looking at, how worship is talked about in the New Testament. And I came across Ephesians 5. You may have heard this scripture before, but I want to read it to you, and I want to point out one little thing that I I don't normally pay attention to in this verse. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so he's telling the, Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, when you get together, don't, or, or, or he's saying like, don't get drunk. Um, that was a real challenge in, in the first century in the way they did feasts and gatherings. We'll talk about that more when we study the book of First Corinthians because it's all in there. Um, but he but he said, when you get together, don't get drunk. Instead, he says, sing, sing to one another, and he says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, I, I I remember studying that in college, talking about that. That's where my mind always goes to: is what's a psalm, what's a hymn, what's a spiritual song? Why are we singing these? You know, kind of what's going on, and looking at that. But notice what it says right before that. It says, sing to one another. Isn't that weird? Like the way we think of singing in church is we think we're singing to God. And we are, but that's not all that's going on. We're singing to one another. When you sing, it does something for me. When I sing, it does something for you. It, there's something about it that builds each other up. And, and this is true even if you're not a good singer. Like, you're like, Chris, when I sing, it does nothing for anybody. No, that's, no it's, it's that you're doing it. It's, and it's that we are doing it together. That we, that we raise a hallelujah. That we, that we bring that all together and sing. There's something about that, that that builds us up, that encourages us. That I look around the room and I go, oh yeah, I'm not the only one who believes that this crazy guy rose from the dead and that there's God in the flesh and all these things. Other people believe this too. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's a powerful thing to sing together. I remember seeing it happen spontaneously in our country. Do you remember 20 years ago, right after September 11th, um, that, that, that congressman spontaneously sang, God bless America, on the steps of the Capitol building? It's hard to imagine that happening today, and that was just 20 years ago, right? It's hard to imagine any part of that happening, right? But they spontaneously sang, God bless America. Why? Because in the moment, Singing together was a unifying thing. More recently, I remember President Obama singing Amazing Grace at the funeral for the victims of Charleston shooting. It was a powerful thing. He led people and people joined in with him singing Amazing Grace. Why? Why sing in a moment like that? Because there's something going on there when we unite our voices. It kind of of unites our hearts. There's something more than just the song happening there's something powerful and and, and profound it, it brings us together and I think one of the one of the biggest flaws in America is you're, you're real interested to see how I'm going to end this sentence right one of the biggest flaws in America is that we're so hung up on independence we're so into it we have a declaration of it we're taught it in civics class as kids Independence, independence. We're the, we're the people of independence. Do you hear, the, you know, it, it, we're, we're, we're about it in this country. And something's not right there. We celebrate it. Oh, you're strong, fierce, independent. You don't need no man. You don't need no woman. You're, you, it's all about you do it. You got this. You got this, bro. You got this, girl. You go. It, it is you and you alone. That's just not how we were designed. We're not designed to be solo like that. We're not designed. The, some of the most meaningful things in our lives will, be, will come from us being tied to someone else and to something else, not from being fiercely independent. Look, I, I, I like freedom. Freedom is biblical. But the kind of uber freedom that we tra- chase in this country is not. We're not called to be independent. The Bible doesn't hold up independence as the thing. What it holds up is dependence on God as the thing and interdependence with one another. We are connected to him for our lives, for every breath that we take. And we are connected to one another in humanity. We are are a family. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ walking this thing out together. And when we gather to worship, we are reminded of both things. We are reminded that we're dependent on God And we're reminded that we need each other and that we are we are in this thing together with each other. We need this regularly. We need the rhythm of it. There's a reason Christians have gathered at the beginning of every week from the beginning of Christianity. It's because we need the, the regular reminders of what life is about, what we're here for, where we came from, where all of this is going. We need those reminders. I need those reminders too, and I realized this over the last year. I don't need to gather with everybody in this room to be a Christian. You don't, probably, right? You can read, you could fast, you could pray, you can sing, man, turn on Spotify and find a song and sing along. Like, you can do that. You can give, you could give money, you could serve. There's lots of things you could do outside of being part of a a community like this. Um, but what I recognize is that when COVID hit and this gathering was removed, there was something missing. There was something missing. There's, I miss seeing faces, faces with tears, faces with laughter. I miss gathering with people to remember that we're not alone when people were feeling so alone. It does something for us. It even affects our our emotional and and mental health. They did a survey in 2020 about people's emotional and mental health. uh, um, and, and, And they asked people how many of them would rate their mental health in 2020 as being excellent. And they compared it to 2019. Now, wouldn't you guess that of all demographics, of all age groups, of all categories of people... Nobody is going to rate their mental health better in 2020 than it was in 2019. Basically, right? Maybe like Zoom stockholders. Outside of that, no one is rating their mental health better, right? So they did a survey. I want to put the results up. They're small, so you can't see them. But here's the thing. Across all demographics, here's what I want you to notice. Everybody's mental health, the way they rate their mental health as excellent is worse than the year before, except one group of people, and it's not a huge increase, but a 4% increase for people who attend religious service weekly, not monthly, weekly. The only people who said their mental health was better in 2020 than over 2019 are people who were doing this, who were gathering regularly. What is going on with that? I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But I know God's up to something when we gather. There's something happening here. I had someone come to me last week and say, God's spirit is at work in this. You, you can sense it. There's something going on when we, when we gather together. And, and, and the worship of, us, of, of, of God's people, it affects our emotional and our mental state. Now, is it a magical cure-all no, it's not. But God is doing something here. So let me give you a challenge. A couple things. One, when we gather, make it a priority to be with us. Come together for the regular reminder of, of, of who God is and who we are and, and where we fit. Because it, it, it takes, I would say, a week for us to forget. But it takes days, if hours maybe, for us to forget. So come together for. The reminder, be here when, 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 we're, when we're together. It's, it's getting easier for people to meet. More people are getting vaccinated. Some of the restrictions are loosening. Um, we're we're, we're in having conversations with the bird about how we structure things in here. It's getting easier. Um, there, there's space here for you. Uh, gather with us. Um, and and, and let's, let's honor God together um, it's because it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful thing. And, and then with that, invite someone to join you. I don't know, like when when people talk about all that went on over the last year, obviously COVID's a big thing. But to me it's more than that. Like it's it's not just the COVID thing. Um it, it's so much that happened over the summer with different riots and protests and, and, and the election and, and just a lot of like political and social unrest that was going on throughout throughout culture. Um and and I think for a lot of people, there was a lot of disillusionment um, disillusioned in God, disillusion with the church, I get it um, I, I, I can see where the church has failed. Uh, disillusionment with science because I was told this and now it 's this, and but i don 't believe that, and, and this doesn 't seem right and like it doesn 't always add up cleanly and it 's not always great and disillusionment with friends and family, people you counted on, teachers, people you relied on people. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment out there and disillusionment. And I, and I wonder if people are ready to try faith, maybe in a way that they haven't before. And so maybe this is the time to invite someone. We, we, we're gonna do two services in here on Easter Sunday, April 4th. Invite someone to come with you and say, come be part and connected to the thing. Um, so that's, that's my, my, my challenge. And, and, and I wanna end by giving you this invitation. I wanna invite the band to come out, the band to come out on stage. And, uh, and, and we're going to, we're going to sing, so we've talked about that some already, right? But I want to do something different. Um, I've got some people who are going to come forward to the front, uh, some, some, some leaders in the church, and they're going to stand along this rail here in the front. And what I want to ask you to do is, um, and we haven't done this in a long time, is one, I want you to raise your voice and sing. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be uh, on pitch. <laughs> you know, just do, you do your thing, right? But let's raise your voice and sing together. I mean, we're going to sing a song called Oh Come to the Altar. We're not coming to a, a, a blood altar animal sacrifice thing any, anymore, right? In history, that's not, that's not where we're at. But we do invite you to come forward and be part of this thing. And so, what, what I want you to do is sing. And as we're singing, um, if you want someone to pray for you, to come forward and let those people pray for you. Um, they're wearing masks. You're wearing masks to be fine. Just come forward, share with them how you want prayers. And and let them pray for you. And if you're watching online, write your prayers in the chat box. Hey, could someone pray for me about this? And we will pray for you this today. Actually, I'm meeting with the uh, the elders. We're meeting this afternoon. We will pray over those that you put in there today. Um, So 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 do that as well. But man, a lot has gone on over the last year. This is the year anniversary of March 12th. All the sports ended last year. All the sports leagues stopped. And I remember on March 12th, it was a Thursday. A buddy of mine in Maryland said, we're not doing church this Sunday in person. And I was like, that's, that's insane. What are you talking about? He's like, well, this COVID thing. I'm like, what is that? That's crazy. March 13th, the next day was a Friday morning. Our staff got together and said, I don't think we can do church as we've been doing it this Sunday. And I'm like, that's insane. What is this? What are you talking about? And they were like, you can do it if you want, Chris, but nobody's going to be there. I'm like, what is happening? And we had to adjust. And over the past year, um, there have been gains. There have been a lot of losses. And my guess is you feel that. You've lost friends, maybe loved ones, um, jobs, companies, uh, trust. There's a lot of things that have been lost. And there's a lot to pray about and ask God to heal. And so the invitation is here, as we sing, Come forward and be prayed for. We're gonna, we're gonna have a time. You can come up here and there'll be people up front to pray for you um, and as, they're, uh, as we're praying, as we're singing, then I'll come out and when I come out, we'll take communion together so you have communion elements. Hold on to those as we sing and pray. I'll come out and pray and then we'll all take communion together as a group, um, as, as a community and I think that'll be a good and powerful thing. So let's, let's stand together. Um, and, and, and let's sing, and uh, some leaders will be down front. And if you need prayer, come down here and receive prayer. Take the, the bread and the juice that represents the body and blood of Christ, and we remember his sacrifice for us. We remember that he died in our place, that we don't have to do that old system anymore, that we can come to him as we are, that he, that he knows how messed up we are, and he loves us in spite of all that, and we thank him for it. So as, let's, let's do that now. Let's take the bread that represents his body and this juice that represents his blood. Father God, I thank you for everyone in this room and everyone watching online who are, who are, who are tracking with us today and who are dialed into you. God, we are your worshipers. We are your people. We are your children. And we honor you as, as uh, worthy of our praise, as, as the great God over, over us. God, help us to um, understand that. Help us to remember that as we come here, that uh, you are great. And, and, and God, we claim our, our, our dependence on you and our interdependence with one another. Thank you, Lord, for this community, for it standing through uh, just a crazy year over the past 12 months. God, walk with us as we go into whatever challenges the future has for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.